Despite many who feel that reality is always static and predictable and unchanging, there are those who differ with that assumption. One such individual, known to many as the quantum optimist, is Cynthia Sue Larson. With a background in new physics and consciousness studies, Cynthia doesn't just rely on the many anecdotes she's received about the flexible nature of reality. She herself is a first-hand experiencer of what she calls reality shifts. Picking up on our discussion last year, which was aptly called Anomalies of Reality, Cynthia shares some of her latest findings, as well as stories about the strange and unpredictable nature of existence itself. It's always a pleasure to welcome back my dear friend and colleague, Cynthia Sue Larson. I wanted to have Cynthia back on the show to do a follow-up on what I'm calling Anomalies of Reality Part 2. You know, Some of you may know we did uh, uh, an anomaly show about a year ago, and we had such a robust stream of comments, some interesting stories that came in as a result of our, our discussion about this. So I thought it would be fun to hear more from Cynthia on what's been happening with reality shifts and anomalies of reality in the last year. So Cynthia, delighted to have you back, my dear. Thank you. Such a pleasure to talk with you always. I know. It's been quite some time. I think it's been just about a year since we last uh, connected. So it's great to have you back. Well, listen, again, what prompted me to want to do another show on reality anomalies, um, in addition, was a great e-newsletter that you have out monthly. And this particular one caught my eye. I think it came out about a week ago. Um, I read some really interesting stories that your audience shared with you. And I thought to myself, I really think that these glitches and shifts and anomalies that we seem to be experiencing um, seem to be on the rise in recent years. I don't know. That's my sense. What What's your sense? Is, is this the case? And if so, why? I think there's been a jump in awareness, although the experiencing of these things, I think I've found evidence that it goes back actually tens of thousands of years. I mean, it's very, very ancient phenomena, fortunately for us and people or might be concerned about things like CERN and so forth, creating problems. But if you're referring to the rise of the so-called Mandela effect, which hmm. is a bit misnomer because it's talking about one specific individual being alive again. And um, obviously with reality shifts, that's something that alternate histories have shown us for quite a long time. I've been documenting that since the 1990s. Mm -hmm. It's a good, um, you know, 15 years before the Mandela Effect term cut hold, but that term is really going through the roof in terms of media exposure. It is. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So mainstream TV, radio, newspaper, magazines are all picking the story up. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. I've definitely seen more. I wouldn't say it's necessarily ubiquitous, but it's definitely popping up more than uh, previous to your, you're talking about it so much uh, for one thing. But okay, so is, would it be fair to say that you think that there's not necessarily a rise in anomalies, but rather in uh, the awareness? Or could it be a little bit of both or a lot of both? I believe it is uh, the rise in awareness, and that directly affects the fact that the experiencer is not um, – Here's I just want to dive right into the the concept itself, if Go I might. Go for it, please. Because I think I need to in order to explain my frame of thinking about it, and that has to do with who we really are. And I know you love that because you write great – you wrote a great book about it, and everything. I've, I've known you for so long, and I just love your take on consciousness – so for those of us who are been, have been tracking this idea of consciousness, noticing some anomalies of reality, which are great to talk about, because that's one of the ways that we can see evidence of consciousness in action. Mm -hmm. Just like you're, I was on a walk the other day and I, my eyes caught motion on the hill across the way. It was some couple hundred feet away. And I noticed that because of the motion, I could see that that was a bird hopping on the grass about 200 feet away. <laughs> and so I think it's that kind of movement that tips us off, that something is changing, and that's really important to notice. So the anomaly itself is almost like a tell. It's sort of saying, look, something's moving. And 
because we tend to assume, and it's a huge assumption, and thanks to you tracking consciousness, you don't make that assumption, but a lot of people do make a material realist assumption, and they think that because we're in seemingly in a fixed st- so-called static physical reality, which by the way we're not, mm-hmm. there, there's nothing that's not moving around us. But they make, people assume that, and then they think, okay, that means I, in this body, I haven't done anything, they think. They don't identify with consciousness itself. So the key concept I'm bringing up is consciousness is what moves. That's who we are. When consciousness moves, and that is who we are, it's like you take a train to a new station, you're going to see something different. Mm-hmm. Love that that's analogy, that. by the way. Yeah. So that's the big, 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 big concept. And then as far as, I mean, people may hear it and they think, okay, that sounds weird. Um, a little loopy. Because <laughs> if it didn't happen to me too, I'd say, okay, that does sound weird. It doesn't sound, it's, it seems like it violates Occam's razor of ah. going with the simplest solution. Right, right. Well, I, just for, we, we are diving right in, in, if, in case, the, I apologize to the audience, in case you're thinking, what on earth are they talking about? Again, <laughs> just to reiterate, we're talking about Anomalies of reality, strange things that happen that that are unexpected and yet persistent, as Cynthia has said, historically in our human history, what's happening here? And um, I want to reference everyone going back to uh, a lovely discussion that Cynthia and I had about a year ago. I think it was May of last year where uh, we kind of did a takeoff on two very bizarre, to say the least, stories, uh, one that Jordan Maxwell relayed. Um, uh, about um, an unfortunate um, uh, death incident, a a man who plummeted uh, to the ground and a witness that saw something that would not make sense in a normal sticks and stones reality. That's number one. I'm not going to get into that now because I want people to go and and listen to it. And the second one was referenced uh, by uh, or told to me by a woman named Diane Bischoff James, who told of uh, what would be considered a shape shifting scenario. Um, so that's sort of the backdrop. That's the context. But there have been so many more things that have happened, um, of course, and I'm sure on a daily basis that I wanted to have Cynthia back to, uh, to, to share, to share some of those. Some of those stories have come from people, people you're hearing from constantly. Um, and you publish some of their stories, uh, in your newsletter. That's what caught my attention. Um, so have you been getting even more stories in the last year? would you say? Well, I think there's definitely a burst of enthusiasm and a whole bunch of new experiencers, people that have never noticed this phenomenon before, and suddenly they're a little bit taken off guard. They're, they're not yet familiar with the, the way that it works, which is that when you pay more attention to reality shifts, to Mandela effects, quantum jumps, or anomalies of reality, the more you look at it, the more you tend to experience. And if, if they're not ready for that little neat trick, then it's, it can be unnerving, to say the least, uh, because people are then noticing, like, wow, this, there's stuff happening all over the place. And reporters mm. have been documenting the story sometimes come home and notice that a family picture that's always been the same is now completely different. You know, there's been a change in the the way people are standing, in the background of the ancient, you know, photograph of ancestors. I mean, stuff like that, where there's no way something in the ancient past could change, yet yet it did. Or it, it just things that don't make any sense to people. And so when that kind of thing happens, and they notice that, that does look like a change in history, it, part of the reason it's unnerving ha- comes from the fact that I think we touched on it right from the beginning here. We like to make the assumption that our physical reality is solid and stable and unchanging, that it's just going to be solid. The ground is solid under our feet. History stays the same. The moving finger writes and having writ moves on, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. You know, that's we like to think that. that I'm quoting from the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. But, but the truth is we live in a quantum universe, and things that we think might have always been a certain way might not. And that's the reason we have the benefit of the placebo effect, in my opinion. It's thanks to exactly this same wonderful phenomenon where we can literally make a leap to a new reality. Same thing is true of big jumps in the um, the, the changes that we tend to think might be slow when we, when we look back and look at the 
the um, j- just to see how animals and plants have evolved and evolution has gone. Supposedly, we think of it as a nice, smooth, smooth process, but it's not smooth at all. It definitely has huge jumps. Sometimes missing links can't be found. And it's very confusing if you take a look at it from an expectation mm-hmm. that there should be this kind of smoothness. You said something very important that I, I, I think um, a, lo- a lot of people, including myself, can can take uh, from this conversation, and that is the necessity to become aware. I mean, we're living in a society, Cynthia, where people, uh, it seems, are increasingly, and this may fly in the face with a, n- a number of people that are coming through with stories, but are not aware of their surroundings. Um, they've got their, I say this all the time, they've got their heads in their devices, and uh, certainly they're not looking up. But the lack of awareness, there's still a lot of that going on. So there's a, there's a message here right at the beginning that if you are inclined or skeptical uh, as to the plasticity of reality, um, perhaps if you invest more in being aware, not to look to mine out these sort of things, mind you, but simply to be aware and to to take notice of patterns or lack thereof. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of get that in there. It, it, it behooves us to be uh, acutely aware all the time. And one area that lots of people are noticing these shifts happens actually in the internet on websites. That That's one of the places people might notice, like that website looks different. And I don't get so many of those reports because that's still the realm where people assume that they're the ones noticing it wrong (laughs) you know it's Mm. human nature we just think well i got i guess i was looking at the wrong thing this must be a different website Mm. but that's what will happen too (laughs) boy do i have a story thanks thanks girlfriend for helping me segue can i please tell you a story (laughs) well i tell you what that that is huge the the anomalies of the digital uh reality that we're living in let's take let's if you if you'll let me let me take the opportunity to take that as a segue. Let's talk about Patricia. Is it Patricia? I think it's Patricia from Torrance. Or well, there were two stories that I that I picked up on that um, readers sent to you. There's That's Patricia, Patricia from Torrance. That's right. Who had the missing National Geographic magazine. Yes. Who am I thinking of? No, I think I'm thinking of the gentleman from Chile. There were a couple who claims to have frequent time jumps. And I'm going to have you, if you can recall, I'm going to have you maybe give little bullets of the story of his newsstand visit and a repeated headline and story or one that he noticed 10 days prior to it coming up. And then I want to reference a website, a story of mine that has to do with a website of seeing something before it was actually released, (laughs) if that makes sense. Right. Okay, well, this gentleman lives near Santiago, Chile, and he was walking toward the downtown area across a park near his apartment. So there's nothing unusual happening so far. It's all just normal, typical day, typical walk. And he stopped to look at the newspapers on a stand, as I'm sure he often did. Nothing special there. Read the footlines, I mean, the, the, the headlines. And he noticed a story about there was some kind of a football team I guess you might call it soccer team there in Chile. Mm-hmm. And so he, he just read the headline like you like a person does. You don't buy the magazine or the newspaper. You just read it for a bit. And it didn't seem particularly noteworthy. He just um, read it and then continued his walk. And this is where it gets interesting. About a week and a half later, I guess roughly 10 days later, on a, I don't know if it's a similar walk or what happens, but somehow he's looking at the same newspaper like i don't know which one it is we here in america we've got the new york times and you know those kind of things so it's some kind of regular newspaper and he thought to himself these journalists have no creativity anymore because they've used the same exact headline again and so he just went on with his normal everyday life and then he thought why don't I check the internet and see all the headlines in the last month so he did he checked all of them And he only found one headline that was anything like what he saw. And he noticed with surprise that the date matched the second time he saw the newspaper, Mm -hmm. which was 10 days after he'd first seen it. So Mm -hmm. what what then occurred to him is he must be time jumping because um, he couldn't figure out what had happened. And he said that sometimes he's noticed similar events where – 
he can't really control what's going on, but um, he did mention another experience where he's had a phone call from a nephew. And um, so that was especially bizarre because um, maybe I should, is it okay to tell that one too? No, of course it is. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, this is really weird. I mean, people are going to, if your hair is not standing on end yet, it will be because this one, <laughs> I know. Okay. So this, this, this nephew Gabriel phoned and said, where are you, Hector, uncle Hector? And Hector said, well, I'm getting ready to go. I'm going to leave home, go to work. And Gabriel said, hey, you know, he wanted to know if, if um, he could get picked up in a well-known place there in Santiago. So I, so Hector said, wait for me. I'll be there. Just give me about 10 minutes. Okay, so anyway, um, about 10 minutes later, Hector gets a phone call. And this is this is the creepy part. <laughs> this is really, mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps just looking at it again and he says you passed me on your truck and you didn't stop and you didn't even look at me and then I said Lay, hey I'm still at home I haven't left but I'll be there just give me five minutes so when I picked him up I told them you know how I did a great jump with my truck in- included <laughs> and now he is, this is what's funny because Hector had been telling Gabriel about these other experiences but he- but Gabriel kept saying I know that was you, Uncle. That was you that drove by a few minutes before. Hmm. And the uncle said, I know it happens. I can't control it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I I recall him saying that uh, time jumps happen to him frequently. And I want to get to that. But bizarre. Two two bizarre accounts on his part. But I want to go back to the, the, uh, the newspaper, seeing the headline, reading the headline and witnessing it 10 days prior to him being able to confirm that it actually came out 10 days later. Let me relay a story to you. I think, Cynthia, I may have told you this before, but I I think it's such an, a unique story that really will fold into uh, this type of time jump situation. This one has to do with the actor, now deceased, James Gandolfini from Sopranos fame. I believe it's been, I don't know, at least several years since uh, he's he's passed. But here's what happened to me. And I recall specifically being in the kitchen at the time I was on my laptop doing, and I, I think at the time I was doing what I call kitchen table conversations, which was conscious inquiry radio, but uh, had nothing to do with that. I had been perusing the net. This was prior to him passing, I want to make clear. And I get on my laptop, I'm looking at a, a few news sites. And moving rather quickly, just I may have been searching for a particular headline or something, but I happened to see what I thought was a headline that said, James Gandolfini, uh, however, whatever age, dies, period, something like that. And I'm like, and, and but I didn't acknowledge it until I went on to the next site. And I thought, did I see what I think I saw? And I, I went back, there was nothing there, I couldn't find it again. I kind of let it go. Well, lo and behold, I believe it may have been two or three days later, was the announcement that he had just died suddenly, had just died. And I thought, oh, my God, I saw this a few days previous, but it had just happened. Did I time jump? (laughs) Uh, That's such a great story, uh, a real life experience. When I when people hear the word story, sometimes they, you know, they put it down. But I want people to recognize that really did happen. And it's noteworthy for several reasons, because first of all, it's unlikely you made a mistake and just had some sort of a psychic premonition. Because mm. well, I saw the headline. I saw the headline and his picture. I know I did. So you're literally looking at it, scrolling through it, browsing Absolutely. it, reading the words. I read the headline, and I recall okay. going past it rather quickly because I'm like, did I think I see what I thought? I, you know, and I I remember going back, and I could not find it again, and then let it go. But I did right. see it. I saw his picture, and I saw the headline, but it did not allegedly have a consent. There was no consensus reality or universal reality of his death until several days later. Right. No, I, I totally, I, I've had similar things like that happen where a few days later, uh, the news catches up with what I saw earlier. Mm. It's not one of those mistakes, because sometimes people say, well, these things are making the rounds on the internet and watch out for Facebook because there's fake news. And we're not talking about that. So I think it's really good to clarify for people who just tuning in. This is not fake news phenomenon, <laughs> nor, nor is it, can it be just dismissed and discounted as some kind of a psychic flash because you were literally reading through the headlines and I it's was. not 
you were not closing your eyes and meditating and got a psychic flash because we get the I get those too. Mm-hmm. But this, there's a difference and it, it's totally different experience. Isn't that something? Well, I wanted to make sure to get that in at this point because you referenced the the anomalies of a digital reality essentially and people thinking that they're seeing a, a different uh, content perhaps on a website than that someone else is seeing or and yeah, I suppose a skeptic could say, well, maybe they changed the website in the interim and. You know, you did see something different, but there I am convinced that there is an anomaly that can't be accounted accounted for with our normal understanding of uh, reality. Um, Getting back to Hector in Chile and his mention that he time jumps frequently. Do you think, Cynthia, that some people may have a predisposition to these sorts of anomalies versus I would say most others? And, And if so, why? Well, he does point out that it tends to happen more when he's um just cleaned off his pineal gland or done some meditation. Ah. And that's exactly what I've noticed as well. So there's definitely a connection that I've noticed between the pineal gland being open and receptive, as well as remote viewing abilities. So people that are already quite good at at remote viewing and and knowing what's about to happen, being a little bit precognitive, um, that that seems definitely associated with this. And then, of course... Uh, when we go, I, I mentioned earlier that these experiences go back tens of thousands of years, and the people who've been tracking that are the Tibetan Buddhist monks um, who teach people not to get distracted when you're following the spiritual path, doing all your meditation, raising your energy field, because naturally these things are going to happen. You know, in other words, expect reality shifts, expect that you'll be bilocating, time traveling seeing realities that don't quite play out or they come before they actually happen mm-hmm. and all of these things and many, many more. And the Tibetan Buddhists are advised to stay focused, keep that spiritual alignment between mind, heart, gut, and spirit. And I agree with that advice because you know, people that are on that spiritual journey and maybe they've had a near-death experience, they are going to be a lot more likely to experience these types of anomalies with reality. Sure. And Yeah, and then so are like we said, lucid dreamers, I think we touched on that, mm-hmm. um, out-of-body experiencers, people who astral travel and who can do that remote viewing. So th- that definitely ties in with people who are doing the meditation, keeping their pineal gland open and clean and really, you know, running a lot of energy through their system. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, you know, the the key, the inner key that, that flows. Okay, interesting. So what you're alluding to is that this is a sort of a conscious uh, walk um, that, you know, people don't just ha- may not have a predisposition, just, you know, they're not asking for these things, and yet they s- seem to be happening to them a lot, because I'm sure they're those people too. You're speaking more of those that are um, aligning with more of a spiritual um, essence or a spiritual consciousness that are apt to have more of these experiences, right? But, but, but we are, yeah, yes, and actually, I want to back up a little, because you we are getting a lot of these people who, they've been contacting me and telling me, um, hey, I'm not meditating, I don't care about reality, I don't mm. study consciousness, and this stuff's driving me nuts, you know, and so it looks like what may have happened is we've hit what's called a tipping point of consciousness, at least in the United States, I think worldwide as well, where we've got more than 10% of the populace meditating. We're social animals, and that's definitely tipping everything in the direction of an increase in these sorts of experiences for all of us to some degree. So there is a little bit of people who are feeling like, hey, I didn't do any of this. I'm not a near-death experiencer. I don't lucid dream. I'm not spiritual. I don't go to church and so so on and so forth. I don't meditate. I don't pray. What's happening? So for those people, um, they're paying attention is what's happening. And they're joining us on this journey as so many people right now are meditating. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think there definitely is an effect there. Maybe it's a butterfly effect. I'm, I'm Again, going back to this, my, my question to you is, are we seeing an increase and what that might be due to. And you're saying an increase in awareness. I, I you know, I don't know, Cindy, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I'll tell you what I think. I happen to feel, and when I say feel, not believe, but I have a sense that there is some sort of maybe even a planetary or cosmological um, organic shift that is plunging these experiences on people more 
people because you're the point that you made is 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 a uh, is a huge point that these are people that are not necessarily spiritually aligned uh, with a uh, you know modalities and practices that are they're trying to get to that space they're being bombarded with these I'm getting that too from people uh, saying Alexis I'm having synchronicities almost daily now I'm not asking for this same thing so again I, I don't know I I kind of think that there's something else some other dynamic going on. The, the, I did what get we that call the shift. Point. And I conducted a survey to answer that question. It was it's now been conducted twice, once in two thousand, once in two thousand thirteen. That's mm. thirteen years apart. So once was ten years before the Mandela effect and then the next one is like three years after. Talking about um you know, seeing um synchronicity and coincidences. The, the the percentages of the respondents were pretty similar for that particular question mm-hmm. as far as um, so looking at the areas where there was some slight increase because I think that's what we're experiencing over a period of like 15 years we're getting some slight increase and that applied to things like finding parking places where needed that definitely went up from 78% to a good uh, 5 percentage points higher at 83% in 2013 and then the, another one that went up was seeing people and animals healing after prayer. That went almost, um, well, it's about a good solid 8% up from 54% to 62%. And then another one that jumped 4% was time slowing down, stopping, and speeding up. We definitely have people noticing that. Mm-hmm. There was a 3% increase in things moving without being touched. That went up from 55% to 57%. And you're getting a taste of what's involved with these reality shifts I've been looking at. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, seeing people, animals, and things appear out of thin air. <laughs> That's gone up 3%. It used to be 45%. Now it's up around 48%. And so there have been increases, but you see they're they're gradual. It's uh, nothing shocking. It's not going oh, from... Right, right. It's an arc of, of increase, not an acute um, increase. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Nonetheless, there's something's going on, and it's quite exciting. I think. Let's let's talk about. Um, we're going to have a little bit of an abbreviated show today, and the time is moving way too fast. But uh, I do want to get into this this other uh, um, reader or audience member of yours who uh, wrote into you about her experience, uh, and I believe this is so. Oh, this is Patricia, Patricia from Torrance, California. She sent, I think, three stories into you, but both two of the three had to do with had to do with literature missing or changing in its content. One being a National Geographic magazine that she knew she had left in a certain place. She seemed to be very meticulous and orderly in her lifestyle, and she, she just knew that she didn't lose it, but she couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and the second one, and maybe I'll have you elaborate, but the second story that she also sent into you was about, uh, I believe a book, uh, of of which she was looking for a piece of content, a story in the book. And she went back and the story was no longer there. So if you could talk about those two things, and then I'm going to piggyback with one that just happened to me yesterday, having to do with anomalies of literature. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I guess I'll start with the magazine then, because she sounds a lot like me. I I like the way that she's so orderly. Uh, Patricia from Torrance, California, is describing that she uh, just, well, she loves to keep things orderly, and she knows that she's been saving a specific issue of National Geographic because it featured giant pandas, and she loved the way their thumbs let them hold things, like like hang on to a, a container or a plant and it was very adorable so anyway she really loved that issue on pandas so she kept it and it was one that she was never planning to throw away and she had a few other national geographics that were also from the early 1980s so she knew there's no way it would go anywhere she lived by herself when she was packing from that first apartment to the next one she had um put it in a box to to be transported but when she looked for that particular issue she couldn't find it and so she checked everywhere and her only explanation because of her methodical nature and her very neat nick kind of um, approach to storing things she realized that it had to have just vanished into thin air there's no way anything else could have happened and she's um, there, there's and she continues on in this particular report to include the fact that she's always lived alone in small apartments. 
not in multi-room or multi-level homes. So not only is she living by herself, but it's not a very big place. And she keeps everything uh, decluttered with very few possessions. And so there's no way that things are just going to wander off or get misplaced or um, misused by someone else because there's no other roommate, no family member, no spouse or anybody else. And she doesn't even have people sleep over. She said she's only had people come for short visits, never had gatherings, no parties, no dinners with guests. You know, so that's why this is such um, a remarkable experience for her. And that's why she knows for sure that this magazine absolutely vanished. So it's quite an interesting story. And then the other one you mentioned said going from magazines to books. I love that. Uh this one it has to do with the same lady again, Patricia, and she remembered that she'd read a particular story that was inside a collection of stories, and this is a book that was called Finding Your Element, all about discovering what your talents are and your passions, and it's like a self-help book by Sir Ken Robinson, and so... The thing that had stood out to her the first time she read this book about four years ago, back, you know, three or four years ago, she read about a concert pianist who realized that she didn't like being a pianist anymore, and she would rather be involved uh, somehow working with books. So she left her longtime concert pianist career and became a book editor, and she actually was a lot happier doing that. And so... The thing is that, that's so so striking uh, for Patricia about the, remembering this is that she also found a YouTube video that was a TED Talk by author Ken Robinson. And then she remembered reading the story in his book and how he had mentioned this situation, the pianist in the TED Talk. And now a few years later, Patricia rereads Finding Your Element from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And she's noticing she can't find the story about the woman pianist. She read it again. She read it a second time. And this time combing through each each and every story still wasn't in there. And so it was kind of bizarre, you know. And and then she started reading another book um, a second time. And that was a totally different subject. It was about... Um, I know I don't remember the title exactly, but it's about the complex marriage of Bill and Hillary Clinton. Maybe that is the title. But anyway, um, she remembered seeing that there had been a story in that book where after finishing law school at Yale University, where Hillary also went, Bill Clinton, who was in a relationship with her, went back home to Arkansas. And he began starting a political career in the 70s by running for a congressional seat. So this is back... Um, when he had natives of Arkansas working on his campaign, those were his political supporters, and he got close to one of the workers, Marla Kreider. And Hillary found out and had both her brothers and then herself go down to Arkansas to keep Bill Clinton from going farther in his relationship with Marla Kreider. And so Hillary was just as interested in getting to the White House someday as Bill was in becoming president. Mm. Yeah. And so that, that was this whole thing. So it became a big deal. Hillary wrote a letter to Bill Clinton about it, blah, blah, blah. The book pointed out the Southerners in Arkansas did not take well to Hillary, were turned off by her, and it continued on. Uh, Bill Clinton's mother liked Marla. So there are all these details. And so when Patricia read this book, the first time is that people who knew Bill Clinton from that time, looking back later, believed if he'd married the amiable fellow Arkansas native, Marla Kreider, it would have been a boon for him. He might have moved faster in his political career, reached the presidency earlier, and so forth. And so Patricia remembered that part about the book, and she'd not seen this uh, reported anywhere else. And so she read the State of the Union book the second time, and she's looking for that piece about Marla Kreider being the more suitable spouse for Bill Clinton, and it was not in the book anywhere. Wow. Just just like, so this is two different books, both missing a memorable section in each of them. And it's just, you know, it's the kind of thing that stands out where you just read it and you know for sure it was there. There's nowhere else it would have been, nowhere for it to go. There's no way even Hillary could have reached in and had all the books republished. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see that. (laughs) Right, right. Well, (laughs) I'm sure there are going to be a few comments about thoughts on on the Clintons (laughs) in any case, not having to do with the missing story. But uh, hopefully uh, people will will stick with the focus of the missing material, regardless of the, 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 the nature of the book. But yes, that's something, really. Yeah. Hmm. 
And you said you've had an experience. Yes, like I, I want I want to add to the tapestry here because I really I'm shaking my head, uh, Cynthia, because we, again, even the best of us who understand the malleability of reality, it still boggles the mind. I mean, you just can't get past that. But let me let me just lend lend my little two cents on that. And this has to do with um, a lot of my audience members know I love to garden. And just over the weekend, as we were getting our new roof put on, I decided to do a little uh, uh, renovating of the uh, the garden. And I wanted to put a, a collection of pots in one of our, uh, we have a woodland garden. And I wanted to, uh, I, I had seen an image in one of my garden books that I thought for sure I knew which book it was in. And uh, I could not I want I couldn't find the image anywhere. I had looked and looked and looked and I went through just about every garden book I had. And the image just was not it was gone. Just gone. It wasn't there anymore. And I thought, could it be that I'm experiencing a time jump or well, in this case, a reality shift? Yes. Um, you know, I and I wanted to show my husband because I had actually just purchased these beautiful glazed pots and I wanted to arrange them just like it was in that picture. And I, I think I took two days to go through and peruse. I'm looking at them right now, probably about, although I, I could swear it was in one particular book, um, but I went through all of them, nothing. No, the, the, the picture is gone. And you know it was in one of those books because you'd seen it not too long ago. And it wasn't something that you'd seen on the internet. Yeah, I actually said, could it be that I saw it on the internet? And there's a particular um, uh, particular site that I go to for, for gardening and actually interior design, all sorts of things like that. Went there and to see if I had maybe bookmarked it. I said, no, 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 no. This is something that I had looked at for years, even before I was going to these sorts of websites on the internet. This is a picture in a book. It's gone. I believe you. And I've had similar experiences happen with books and also movies, actually, where memorable scenes are completely gone. And I think that's what's so noteworthy for me is when it's a noteworthy scene. It's something highly memorable. You know what used to be there, and there's nowhere else it could have been. And now it's gone. Mm. So this is. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're crossing. Skype is interfering a little bit here. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I I just want people to be able to relate. And so I think what I'm suggesting, and you too as well, is when people have that feeling like maybe there has been a change in reality, rather than dismissing your own memory as being completely faulty. Mm Because I think we've seen those kind of stories as well that attribute so-called Mandela effects, reality shifts, and anomalies in reality to memory glitches um, or confabulation. But these are these are highfalutin, scientific-sounding words, which don't really go very far toward getting at the heart of this. Which, because what I like to do is ask, well, why on earth? Like you said, why would you be remembering something so clearly mm-hmm. if there's no way it could have been on a website? Because you been looking at that picture for years before there'd ever been that your interest in these pots and these garden projects you Mm -hmm. know so that that makes it really clear for you and so I I want people listening to stop being so harsh with ourselves or feeling embarrassed about, about talking about these things one of the best things you can do is share your own experiences with people and I think there's I I don't want to name names but there's someone who actually we both know who is currently too embarrassed to share an extraordinary reality shift. It'll be published um, under a pseudonym, so look for that next issue. But um, I'm not going to say who, because I think there's still a stigma. Absolutely. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. And I I think that's a shame, because I think if, if people realized every single one of us is actually noticing these things, these shifts in reality, these glitches in reality, and in fact that, that's how life works. There's no way that our DNA could replicate, that our proteins could do what they need to do. There's no way we'd have oxygen to breathe because plants would not be photosynthesizing without quantum jumps, without exactly these kind of discontinuities happening on the macroscopic scale. Mm-hmm. And so what, that's the reason I love, that. that's my explanation for what's going on. It's we are consciousness, we are traveling between possible realities and all of nature does that too that's how nature knows how to uh, just jump to the right answer when uh, a plant is evolving or any kind of an organism is evolving it can make an instantaneous correct evolutionary move 
which saves its species um, by just jumping, boom, to the, the next correct thing. There is no in-between step. That's yeah. excellent. Oh, my gosh, that's such an excellent example. I always love referencing the patterns of nature. If we want to understand ourselves, let's look at the magic that nature performs on a daily basis in, in order not only to thrive, but to survive, or not only to survive, but thrive. So thank you for, for sharing that one. That's great. You know, you said something, Cynthia, in our last interview that really touched me. I want to, I think it stands uh, to be repeated. I'm going to quote you. You said, um, we can become exceptional humans by working with and understanding this plastic reality in magical ways. We can evolve, essentially, by acknowledging, by by um, not ignoring the stigma, but getting rid of that and, and sharing that. Uh, I was really touched by you saying that because I think that really with, with so many people that are looking to want to better themselves and evolve and really come into their power, and yet they're still somewhat in denial about uh, the, the, the scope and the, and the plasticity of reality. And when we immerse ourselves in that, we really can work magic, right? That's right. I agree. Uh, of course, I said it before. So of course, I'm glad I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You'd be contradicting yourself. We don't want to do that. <laughs> That's right. But, and yeah. I love the idea of serving something bigger than ourselves. And I think one way to get into that for people who might say they're not spiritual or they are good heavens, maybe they don't believe in God. Um, what I recommend is, well, you know what good is, right? And most people can agree that they, they know there's a knowingness, you know, what's good. And if you know what's good, then you can imagine something being really, really good. You can imagine being guided by goodness, serving a sense of goodness greater than what you are, and being guided in that good direction, and just knowing that that you're not the only one, that together, regardless what things look like, what you might see in the news, and all the divisions that are being mm. banned about and so forth, that we can all rise above that. And like you said, we're not limited either. So you can be exactly what you need to be at the right place at the right time. And I think just being tapped into that, if people get that goosebumpy feeling, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, that feeling that we were talking about where you just feel like there's something going on here. And if it electrifies you, if you feel revved up, um, just lit up, just enlightened on the inside, that is good, because then you can follow that. You can recognize you're in the right place at the right time. It may not seem exciting to you, your own life, but you can make extraordinary jumps Absolutely. and miracles in just a, a, just a heartbeat, just a moment, just a second. Yeah. A shift of reality. Is this your quote? A shift of reality shifts, a shift of focus shifts reality. Something like that, it seems that you had come up with. Really, just an attitude shift can can allow for the the, yeah. the beauty and and the malleability or witnessing the malleability of reality to happen. I, you know, we're we're going to close down in a few minutes, but I have to bring this up um, in keeping with the whole anomalies of reality. And uh, we're talking primarily of subjective experiences, but let's talk about universal or consensus reality shifts. Assuming that sometimes they happen. Now, here's what what occurred to me, Cynthia. I know you're you're keeping a keen eye, and and I'm sure in the news about the upcoming total solar eclipse right around the corner. I think it's about a week or so, and it makes me wonder if certain planetary or cosmological conditions could ignite or make more likely a reality shift that's viewed by lots of people. Cosmological shifts that might trigger reality. Oh, yes. Uh, many people are sensitive to these kind of things. Um, they, they, that's why we've had people so interested in astrology, even though it gets poo-pooed by scientists, because some people actually feel the effects of the planets, which, and the, I, I, you know, I guess if what I'm saying just to listeners is if you are one of those people who feels like, I think I can feel it when Mercury's retrograde, mm. then then don't doubt yourself because if you can feel it, you can feel it. And yeah. I know it's retrograde just means the planet appears to be going backwards and scientists will tell you, tell you the whole thing's silly. Never mind them saying it's silly. If you can feel it, you can feel it. I can feel it. I can usually feel when Mercury's retrograde and I, I don't even need to look. And I don't. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And if you can tell when the moon is full, if you can tell when we're at n near the, the points of the equinox and the solstice, you know, these are things that are part of our 
ancient experience as being conscious entities living a physical life we we get tuned in this is that dance it's like earth and nature are dance partners and we move with with the planets with the seasons with the the coming of night and dark and cold and and heat and this coming eclipse i think is a great opportunity especially for people who aren't noticing the miracle in a soft breeze just every morning they go outside mm-hmm. um yeah because i think for the people who feel like they need a lot to really notice well this is an eclipse that's a lot this yeah. is a great chance to really feel it so uh, some people may not need the full eclipse experience because they're already so sensitive right so they can already feel it uh, a lot of people are joining in meditation on that day and mm, when the, i was going to ask the, about that yeah what what i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i was going to ask what can people do to really maximize positively the effects of what we're about to experience well my my primary focus with meditation for when i help people understand what's possible to do with meditation is that it helps to get us attuned to kind of a gateway of awareness that we like we keep saying on the show today, we're much more than our physical self. You can, through meditation, step back and recognize that you're not your thoughts, you're not your feelings. You can be just mindfully aware of, for example, your breathing, or in the case of an eclipse, that it's getting slowly, very, very, very slowly, slightly darker. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. Eclipses take a long time, you know, so it's, it's not going to be a, a speedy thing. Um, so, for people who want to meditate through the whole thing, those would be experienced meditators. If if the first time you're meditating is during the eclipse, um, try it and you know right at the moment when it's perhaps darkest would be a good time to do it. That's good. Because it's gonna, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to take a long time to get there. So, and what you can do beforehand is if to the degree possible, get to be in nature where there aren't too many noises. It's not too distracting, so you can really. Just uh, feel like you're part of of the planet, part of space, part of this Earth, Moon, Sun experience, because that's what's happening. It's this beautiful alignment between the three. Love it. I absolutely love it. Do you think that we might, um, let me put it this way, would you be surprised if more anomalies of reality were to occur during the solar eclipse? I would not be surprised because more people will be tuning in and being more aware of their surroundings, and that's definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it, they're more likely thus to notice um, that so-called facts are changing. Uh, but I like to point out, facts may change, but what's true remains. Mm. So, <laughs> Love it. So, We'll still know that love is real. We'll still know that we're connected to those we love. And... I think noticing that so-called facts are changing is our wake-up call to be causal in reality and to start steering Spaceship Earth with our thoughts, with our feelings. Oh, and I love it. Being much more uh, rising to that call of how good can it get, being a call for each one of us in- individually, uh, how good can I be, how blessed can I be, and that's giving and receiving. It's being in that state of grace. and. Mm tuning into that yeah i'm I'm going to apologize to the audience if you're hearing what i'm hearing there's definitely a little overlap with this this particular connection um (laughs) and not so much of an anomaly of reality uh, where skype is concerned so i do apologize because we're getting we're kind of cutting in and out but uh beautifully beautifully said as always cynthia sue larson i'm going to leave everyone with a quote um and this has to do with the sort of um confusion or again the the stigma that people because of the stigma that's attached to some of these situations we'd call high strangeness and uh the the inhibition that one may experience and um not wanting to share uh, these anomalies with others um and really just trying to quantify that these things happen they're not an epiphenomenon of reality i always say but a base of reality and we're a part of that so i'm going to leave you with a quote from one of my favorite philosophers, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who said, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. So, uh, yeah, I think that's um, something to think about. You might see one reality, uh, you might see two or three or four at the same time. 
and we let's let's move to becoming a first rate intelligence and really immersing ourselves in the possibilities and i think we'll uh, we will get there we will become exceptional any last words cynthia sue larson well my favorite uh, i love that quote by the way that's so beautiful mm. and it gets into that quantum thinking for this new quantum age but i just love people to keep no matter what's going on remind yourself whether things seem like it's um, difficult or it seems like it's wonderful either way keep asking how good can it get let imagination take you there to a place where it's good for all of us in a i think there is such a thing as a win-win reality so mm. we can get to that place where all of us can flourish and prosper. And I'd love to see that. I'd love this to feel like heaven on earth. And I know a lot of people might think we're a long way from there right now, but sometimes things get turbulent before it gets cleared up. So yeah. let's stay positive and keep asking anyway. How you good can it get? How good can it get? You've been, you've been putting that out there for years and uh, keep saying it and keep seeing the results of the universe saying, I'm going to show you, it's going to get better and better and better. Cynthia Sue Larson, realityshifters.com. I want everyone to go there. And you know what? I want to plug this great newsletter of yours that, that this is where I found these wonderful stories. And do you, do you typically uh, publish what some of your uh, readers and audience members or anecdotes and stories? Is that something that people can expect on a monthly basis? Oh, yes. I've been publishing that since the 1990s. So okay. this well, I know the newsletter, but people and their actual, their own anecdotes or stories. Well, now things come through social media, uh, but usually I, I take it, if it's in written format, I get permission first, and it, obviously permission to share their name or a pseudonym. And like I said, some people are still nervous about mm-hmm. people f- finding out they've had these anomalies, mm-hmm. anomalous experiences. Uh, like one example happened at the Pentagon, so obviously I didn't call it the Pentagon when I shared that story. And hmm. so, yes, we've had a Pentagon report in Reality Shifters, and all the stories are there. And it's um, these are not stories. These are firsthand reports. And it's fun for me to hear now the folks in the Pentagon are talking to each other about reality shifts, and they're taking it very seriously that these things do happen, even inside the Pentagon. So. Okay, I think you just really teased something that people are going to want to hear about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we're going to have to leave it there nonetheless, but there'll be more from Cynthia Sue Larson, I promise you, everyone. In fact, when we were talking offline, I was kind of, I was saying to you, I I think that we could probably do an Anomalies of Reality ad infinitum and, and just come back periodically and by all means, let me know if there's something that you are seeing, whether it's a pattern or different types of stories. Let's cut come back and, and do another show on the anomalies of this incredible reality. What do you think? I love to. Yeah, okay. This is right up my alley. And I love talking with you. It's always I such love, love back at you, girlfriend. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Higher Journeys Radio. We will talk to you real soon. Take care. It can be argued that we live in an upside down reality. But if reality is fluid, plastic and waiting to be molded, then we, and only we, can turn it right side up. You know, I've heard it mentioned on many occasions that if we are living alongside other intelligent non-terrestrial beings that are interested in seeing us evolve ourselves past our limits, though they may help in that process, they cannot and will not interfere. This leaves the future up to us. Do you really want to live in a reality of fixed perception or of true potential? Let's begin to embrace the enigmas and erase the stigmas. And maybe, just maybe, we will see potential realized for one and for all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Higher Journeys. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.